good morning, church, um, church family, visiting friends. As Pat said, the reading comes from uh, Ephesians 3, verses 14 to 19. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and the earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is the reading of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much. Um, the preaching debut, I think. Um, I have uh, successfully swerved preaching here at St. Peter's for two years. <laughs> um, I think I had legitimate excuses, albeit um, fairly convenient. First, Pat and I got married in July 21. And then we were navigating the first year of marriage, which for anyone of you who have done that is quite full on, isn't it, Patty? And then seven months later, I was pregnant with Phoebes, and then we were just in a whole world of newborn chaos and loveliness. So yeah, here I am, finally run out of excuses, I suppose. Um, but I just thought I would share a bit of background to kind of set the scene. And for those of you that don't know me that well, I have been uh, following Jesus for about 20 years. I grew up in the most amazing, like loving Christian home in Durban in South Africa, which is culturally a Christian nation. And I was Sunday schooled and yeah, like maybe drifted a bit um, in my teens, but who hasn't? And then I went married a vicar. So by all means, a life of faith, right? Like I should feel really comfortable preaching on faith today. Um, and yet when I sat down, I found it really challenging to prep some of this. And if any of you get the call up to preach, I would just say, like, take it with both hands, because the likelihood is that God's actually speaking to you through a lot of this stuff. So it's been amazing, but also super challenging for me. Um, but yeah, I kind of sat down and I was thinking about, like, when we think about faith, who would we consider, you know, like, the giants of our faith? Um, we've got a coffee table book by our good friend J. John of the Heroes of the Faith, and it's a really lovely kind of flick through. But there's so many amazing people who have just like really run incredible journeys um, for the sake of the glory of God. And I was thinking like, who for me is a giant of faith? And I've got a few kind of go-tos. Maybe some of you will have heard of them. You know, Jackie Pullinger, um, Billy Graham, uh, Francis Chan, I absolutely love. Um, but maybe it's someone that you know personally, someone that you're sitting next to in church today. That would be incredible. Um, or even someone from the Bible. There are, again, so many to choose from. Mary, Moses, Abraham, David. Um, and it, it just got me thinking, really, like, what did those people get that I'm not getting? Because my life doesn't look like theirs. And I just want to make a note here, like, I'm not talking about comparison. I think the spirit of comparison is very, very dangerous. And of course, we're all called to different things. And I'm also not being self-deprecating, but I'm just being really honest. Like, 
truly there is something that sets these people apart. And the answer, I think, as is so beautifully articulated by Gary Hogan, who is um, he's the founder of IJM, International Justice Mission, an amazing man. We had the privilege of hearing him speak at New Wine recently. He suggests that these people lived and acted like they actually believed what God says about them, about Jesus, and about their destiny, namely heaven and hell. They acted as if God would never leave them or forsake them, acted as if they could walk through the valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil, and they acted as if God had not given them a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. So then the question becomes, of the things that Jesus taught, what am I struggling to believe that's inhibiting me from acting like I believe it? Because surely the teachings of Jesus are only useful to us, only useful to me and to others through me, if I'm willing to act as if they're true. And yeah, as we know, there's so many examples of this in the Bible. The wise man who built his house upon the rock, Matthew 7, 24 to 27. The first guy heard the word of God and acted on it. The other guy did nothing. And we know that faith without works is dead, which is a scripture that I've always wrestled with as an inherent striver myself. But I think kind of the puzzle pieces are coming together for me through this. And I just would love us to dive back into today's scripture because it is so incredible. If you've got a Bible or a phone, um, if you just type in Ephesians 3, 14 to 19, um, and I'll take us through it here as well. So verse 14, for this reason, I kneel before the Father. And I just imagine like this is the Apostle Paul imprisoned on his knees in heartfelt prayer for a church that he so deeply loves and wants to experience the depths of God's love for the sake of their faith. I just had a moment where I just thought like, can you imagine if all church leaders were praying for their people like that? Verse 16, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And this is why human beings are so often longing and unsatisfied. Our hearts are made for God to inhabit. And there is a vast space in there that only God can fill. And sometimes you'll hear this referred to as a God-shaped hole. Back to the scripture. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. This doesn't require evidence or proof or impressive stats about creation or the universe. As amazing as those things are, this isn't about convincing ourselves. This is the move of the Spirit. And Paul is praying here that people would know that love in their inner being and that that knowledge would be an experiential knowledge through the power of the Spirit to know that Jesus Christ lived and died and rose again to save you from God's deserving wrath, to set you free, that you may live with total freedom from fear and unwavering joy. Um, How many of us know that suffering is not a choice, but joy is. I just, you know, can you imagine a life lived from that place of assurance? Or could you even imagine if all Christians lived from that place of assurance? 
Um, faith itself is initially a gift from God. If you do have a Bible, just flick back a few chapters to Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. This is a really well-known passage. By grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may boast. And this is why we can't argue people into the kingdom of God. God suddenly gives people that gift, oftentimes like really out of the blue. Um, Lots of you will know Pat's testimony. Pat has no Christian background whatsoever, like nothing to speak of, no Christian family. And he was in a sermon on the evidence for the resurrection and suddenly concluded that Christ is alive. Like it was literally that instantaneous. But that's, you know, that's amazing. And lots of us will have experienced that ourselves. But so many of us, having had a really powerful revelation or an intimate encounter or maybe even miraculous healing happen to us in our lives, will still go on to have seasons of wavering faith. Um, and I totally include myself in that category. And I think, um, so I heard someone say this recently, and it, it's just not left me since, that one of the most powerful detection systems for when we're lacking faith, for when we don't trust that God is enough, is fear and anxiety. And ever since then, if, if I felt fearful or anxious, it's just been a really good red flag to me to be like, what am I putting my trust in right now? For example, consider Peter. He knew Jesus, he walked with him, he saw miracles, and still he denied him. And so I think, you know, our faith can't depend on fuzzy feelings or epic encounters or miraculous healing. Ultimately, Peter trusts in Peter, and that's why he stumbles. And this is why our faith, yes, it's a gift from God, but it requires constant and continuous pursuit. Romans 10, 17. So then, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Bill Johnson, who is the lead pastor at Bethel Church, highlights that it doesn't say faith comes from having heard. It's not a one-off past event. The whole nature of faith implies relationship that is current. The emphasis is on hearing in the now. And it's so important to be tuned into the voice of God because the enemy knows that the most effective weapon he can use against us is doubt. What did Satan say to Eve to tempt her in the Garden of Eden? Did God really say? He will do everything in his power to put sin and selfishness and secular society in the way of God and to get us to mistrust God and put our faith in something else, oftentimes ourselves. I just thought I could share a bit of my story, if that's okay. I think we have time. Um, so I think, you know, at the point in my life at which my faith was at its peak, um, if I feel like, you know, when I was really, really on fire for God, and it, it does come and go, but this, like, really sticks out in my memory. I was in my late 20s. I had gone through a really grim breakup, and a friend had invited me to church, kind of went on begrudgingly, mainly for the free food, I think, that was on offer that evening. And um, I just had an incredible Holy Spirit encounter. I walked into the doors and honestly, like the minute I walked in, I was in bits. The worship was like so for me. The sermon was for me. Someone gave a word that was for me. And I was like, just hit really hard. It was a real kind of prodigal moment, if you know that, that story from the Bible. And um, for the first time in my life, because I think it's great when you've been brought up a Christian and like, you know, you've been taught all the Bible stories. 
But for the first time in my life, I really, really wanted to wrestle and decide and figure out for myself whether I believed that this was true. And long story short, I kind of went on that journey and I concluded that, like, Christ is alive. And it just sent me into an existential spiral because I was like, wow, if Jesus is alive, if this is all true, and life is short and therefore I'm living for eternity, then it really actually matters how I spend this short time on earth. And I was an amazing job, paid a stupid salary, company car, like all of that stuff. But I was so desperately unhappy. And so I started just being like, Lord, like I lay my life down, but honestly, what do you want me to do? I don't know what that looks like. And I had a friend at church, um, just the most lovely girl, but you know, one of the kind of like spiritual wacky types. I was terrified of her slightly. And she was like, come over for dinner. I'll cook us dinner. We'll, we'll eat together. And then I'll pray and prophesy for you. And was super keen for the dinner bit. <laughs> I was very nervous about what was going to follow. But she, she prayed with me and she had two pictures. She had a picture of um, God who was um, as a lion on a TV screen. And I, and I had him on mute. And she said, you know, Kirsty, do you hear from God? And I was like, I think so. But I didn't really know how to explain how I did at the time. And she was like, yeah, because you've got him on mute, like he's really speaking to you, but you're not just not listening. And the other picture, which was super niche, was that um, she had a picture of me with a thesaurus or a dictionary looking into the meanings of words. And I was like, right, that's really bizarre. But thanks, Annie. Like, I'll, I'll bank it. I'll put it in the locker. And... Um, she also, as I left her house, encouraged me to start journaling. And I did, there was a massive kind of internal eye roll moment because I just thought like, I'm not a journaler. I do not have the patience or the kind of, yeah, wherewithal to do that every day. Um, but she was like, no, 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 not journaling in that way. Just any time something jumps out at you, it might be a word, a scripture, a billboard, something someone says to you, a song lyric. Um, just make a note of it and join the dots, follow the breadcrumbs, because you'll see that he's speaking really clearly. And so I had this period in my life where I would be at work at my desk and just counting down the hours to get home. And I would rush home. My housemates must have thought I was totally nuts. I'd rush home, close my bedroom door, light a candle and stick on some worship and just be with my Bible and a couple of devotionals and just see what would happen. And it was just amazing. Like I was getting lions, mountains, sea, city on a hill. Like I looked to the mountain, where does my help come from? And in my head, I'm thinking like, this sounds like Cape Town. And I didn't want to presume that that's where God would send me. Because if I could honestly say where I'd love to go and live at that point, like Cape Town would be up there. So I was very, very cautious about it. But there was one evening where I was flicking through something. I can't even remember what it was. And the word voyage leapt off the page in a way that has never happened to me before or since. And I remembered what Annie had said about looking into the meanings of words. Um, but I don't know about you, I definitely don't own a thesaurus. If anyone in here does, that's amazing. <laughs> so I just turned up on my phone and I typed into Google voyage definition. And in the verb bit, so the doing word, the action word, it said, in context, he spent part of his life voyaging along the South African coast and I was just like what like is that you <laughs> like oh my gosh like God actually speaks to people this is incredible and um 
there's a whole other story for what happened in that time, but I basically quit my job. I spent two years living off my, my savings that I'd saved up for a deposit for a house and had the most incredible time, worked for a youth development charity called the Sozo Foundation in one of Cape Town's oldest townships. And, you know, just incredible stories, amazing friendships, randomly bumped into Jackie Pullinger at a funny meeting out there and she prayed for me and I got the gift of tongues. And it was all just like, you know, such, um, just for me, like a real kind of, just God's plans for my life are so much better than mine could ever be. And if we just take the time to listen to him, he's just got amazing plans for each of us, I believe. Um, Do you know what the good news is, especially for strivers like me? Your faith doesn't depend on your faithfulness. It depends on his. On the cross, Jesus didn't say, do your best. He said, it is finished. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. He started it and he will finish it. And I just, um, I hope this doesn't sound too harsh, (laughs) but just to close, I felt really kind of convicted about this Um, because how many of us know that faith isn't a weekly Sunday service? I think it would be wise and prudent to honestly evaluate ourselves. Like, are we painting a picture to the world of something that is stale? Because Sunday services in and of themselves can so easily become a cultural thing versus desperately praying for the Holy Spirit to come and live within us. I just, you know, in today's society, in a world that is utterly aching with anxiety and sadness, it's not enough for Christians to just, like, play the role anymore. Imagine if we go out and act as if it were true. Because once we're rooted in the love of Christ... We don't have to worry about the future. We know how our story ends. We can be free from fear, anxious about nothing, love with reckless abandon, and live each day with inexplicable, unwavering joy. And I, I just really feel like I would just love to have like proper ministry time today. I don't know about you guys. This might be like a foreign thing for lots of you, which I totally understand, but. I just don't believe that faith is something I can talk you into. I think when you have that moment for yourself, you'll know that because you'll experience it. um, And it will oftentimes be inexplicable. So for those of you who have never had that moment, I would just, yeah, I would love for you to come and get some prayer. There is so much power in prayer. And for others of us who maybe consider ourselves Christian, um, let's just ask ourselves like a really real question you know, what of Jesus' teachings are we struggling to believe that's inhibiting us from truly acting and living as if it were true? And I would just encourage us to be really honest with God because it's ridiculous for us not to be because he knows already. He knows who we are and what we're struggling with. And he he can't transform who we're pretending to be. So I'm just going to pray. And then there were a couple of words that I... um, felt God gave to me, who, which might be for some of you um, this morning. Um, so let's pray. Almighty God, lead us into a time of ministry. Help us to cry out to Jesus. I believe. Help my unbelief. God, grant us the power through your spirit to understand how wide and how long 
and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And I just, um, yeah, for some of you, like, coming up for prayer is scary. I totally get that. I myself have been in that position where you're, like, all the excuses start, like, flooding in, don't they? Like, I can't get out of the row and there's no one free to pray and I'm really hungry, I really fancy some lunch, you know, all of those. But I just... um, yeah, just be brave if you can be. And if you can't be brave today, then please get in touch with Pat or I. We would love to find someone to pray with you through the week. Um, but the, the two words that I had, the first one was for the strivers. God does not want you to try harder. He wants you to trust him deeper. And the second one is for someone or maybe a few people who are just really battling to spend time with God and perhaps have lost the love you've forgotten your first love we had an amazing women's event a few weeks ago which was so beautifully run by Ali and Mills um, and by Tanya and Emmy Wilson came and spoke to us and she made this seemingly throwaway comment that I have not been able to forget ever since she said it Um, and I thought it would be appropriate to share it today she said on the topic of intimacy with God Your eagerness to spend time with God is determined by your view of him. Do you trust him? Do you trust what he says about you and how much he loves you? Because if you really do, you will be aching to spend every available opportunity with him. And I'm going to hand over to Pat to lead some prayer time. Is that okay? It'd be great if um, prayer ministry team and life group leaders could just make your way to the sides. That would be amazing. Thank you.